0: prepared to hear the truth from a real whistleblower and american patriot here's civil liberties enthusiast second amendment defender and indefinitely suspended fbi agent kyle Serafin.
1: hello my friends and welcome to the kyle Serafin show today's going to be another good long-form interview and i can tell you right now it's probably going to go off the rails my guest today is kurt suzdak he was an fbi agent for 24 years he came in out of the new haven connecticut office which is where i came in from Um, But he did a long time ago. And then he has some sort of problem. He's been trying to convert to be a liberal for a very long time. So he went to Boston University. He went to Loyola uh, in New Orleans. He got a master's degree in cyber from uh, Norwich in Vermont. He continued to go back to school and he just got more and more ornery. And he was a thorn in the side for the bureau. While he worked for the fbi and now he's a thorn in the side for the bureau even though he doesn't work for the fbi i think he just does it for fun our conversations have been uh pretty epic over the last couple months he is the author of the fbi whistleblower's handbook which is classic and uh, if i'd had that i might not have done any of the things because i would have learned a little bit more about what a terrible process it is but uh kurt is one of those wonderful guys that is going to share us he's going to give us the goods on what goes on inside the fbi before we uh, bring him on real quick i'm going to give our promo this is to our sponsor this is patriot coolers PatriotToolers.com. give them your attention for just one second and then we're going to bring kurt on here and we're going to get out of control very very quickly we want to thank patriot coolers for sponsoring the kyle serapin show this month i carried their first generation tumbler on surveillance in a dozen states since 2017. right now you can use promo code kyle to get 10 percent off and free shipping over fifty dollars Now, we all want a hot or a cold beverage to stay that way, hot or cold. These days, I carry a 30-ounce tumbler for smoothies, and I have a 19-ounce coffee mug on my desk when I'm recording. If I'm out with my kids, I've got the one-gallon jug so I can refill their water bottles and keep them cool. Spring is upon us, and summer is coming soon. If you are in the market for a high-quality piece of outdoor gear that's going to last and support your values, please check out PatriotCoolers.com for either a hard or soft-sided cooler. If you're doing an RV trip, you're floating the river, making a long Costco run, or you're sitting on surveillance, check out PatriotCoolers.com. Your purchase is going to support our show and disabled vets. Patriot Coolers has given nearly $400,000 to updating the homes of post-9-11 disabled vets so that they can enjoy the liberty and freedom at home that they fought for over there. Again, use promo code KYLE for 10% off, and shipping over $50 is always free. Thanks for checking them out, y'all. Okay, so people always say without further ado, I guess all of that was ado, so we're not going to have any more of it. We're going to have Kurt on. Kurt, how are you doing, buddy? Good. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm good. (laughs) So uh, you're sitting with a backdrop here. You're virtually uh, depicting yourself sitting on top of the problems that are in Washington, D.C. This is where you go for your war. Uh, Are you cold?
2: No, actually, well, I'm freezing. I just got done mountain biking, but I have, um, I think the. I normally, whatever field office I'm actually messing with is the one I use for the backdrop. So right now I'm dealing with FBI headquarters. Um, and so I got the FBI headquarters in the background.
1: Someone needs to feed your dog. What's happening uh, to I, have, I have a 15 year old
2: Mastiff that's now has, has actually, has actually gained like 30 pounds in the last eight weeks. It's massive. So <laughs> it's yeah, my wife wanted
1: A 15 year old or a 15 month
2: old? No, no, it's 15 weeks. 15 weeks. It's at 65 pounds. It, we got it. At, we got it at twenty-five pounds and it has grown. Every I wake up, I will wake up and it will be it will be another two pounds. It's the dog's massive and, and wonderful. But it was uh yeah, it's it, it, it wants its attention now that it can hear us talking. Yes. Yeah,
1: so, yeah, no, it's, so, there's it's something because of you. As <laughs> a hold all day. So it's my, it's my fault. I actually had to defend my dogs uh this week from javelina. You know what those are? No, what are they? There are these uh, horrific, ugly pigs with these like really gnarly tusks. And they're like 35, 45 pounds kind of deal. And they run around in Arizona. Uh, and they're in other parts, they're in uh, New Mexico and some other places too. And you're not really supposed to mess with them, but they're not really supposed to mess with you. They're supposed to be scared of people. And uh, I had two of them charge my dogs. So I put them down. And now I got to go bury like dead pigs, which is. Oh, yeah, I guess you can't eat them. I think people do, but I have not reached that level of desperation despite what the FBI has done to me. I'm not eating filthy yard javelina. So I'm gonna just bury them.
2: <laughs> hey, you hey, you only have eleven years and uh, what nine months before you get your security review? Is that what it is? Like it's every 12 years when you're indefinite.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, no, I've been uh they've they've terminated my security clearance. So that's part of the fun game. I actually yeah. got that this last couple of days. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Uh, they said that I was racist, sexist, and or homophobic. No further information. No details. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. But I like but, the end or the end or is kind of gives you a lot of flexibility when you when you fill things out like that, right?
2: Well, that, that is the tool, that is the tool of today for the bureau. The,
1: it is. The, right. Let's let's not get too far afield. I want to tell people who you are first. I want right. you to be able to kind of tell your quick story. Give me a couple of minutes, uh, just how did you get into the bureau? What did you do before then and where you grew up, and then Let's do some bureau background and some of your credibility there. 24 years is a long time. So we'll probably have to jump through it a quick, but tell me where you grew been,
2: up. Been, well, I been, started in the 90s, was in the military for 10 years um, in reserve, active for Desert Storm. Got into uh, the bureau in 97. Um, came in under the attorney program. Um, got Came in from New Haven. Went to, went to Quantico, then went to New York, where in, if you put New York as your last office, you're going to get assigned to New York, and that's what happened to me. So I got assigned to New York.
1: Where did you want to go? Oh, I
2: want. I, I want to go to Florida. I want to
1: go to. I <laughs> still want to go to Florida. I still
2: want to go to Florida. I, want, <laughs> I still want to go to Florida. So I have. Um, so I, So I'm going to. Um, so I, So I was in in um, New York for ten years. The commute was killing me. I was doing. I mean, you know, in New York, you do 100. You could do 90 to 100 mile round or one-way trip in, no big deal. That's a, that's a standard people coming in. So I would do the 90 mile trip in and the 90 mile trip out. And then I went to Baghdad. I went to Iraq for two years just to cut down on the commute. I mean, quite No, that was literally, I was like, I actually had fallen asleep at, at the wheel and drove off an exit. And as I was coming over the exit, I woke back up and uh, drove my car through the intersection back on the highway. And I'm like, you know, I, I need to relax and told, told my wife, I need to go to Baghdad. Give me your, You give said, me I got
1: to relax. I'm going to Baghdad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so people are going to understand this right away. You are a funny guy, but you're deadpan all the time. Every time you call me, you like I never know if you're going to be serious or not. And well, that's I, actually true. Think, I think you actually went to Baghdad to take a break.
2: I did. I, I well, actually, so I had my I had my first child in 2000. My my wife got pregnant in 2003. So I went to Baghdad for four months to relax. Um, after my second child, I went I, and, and not driving while well, I went to Baghdad. And then, um, when I had twins, I went to headquarters, um, for, uh, for 18 months. So it's, that's like I,
1: penance. That's like going to purgatory to pay for your sins. No,
2: you, you will never understand the bureau. Did you go to the, did you go headquarters? No,
1: no, I was working right next to it. I walked in there and I went, I'm not going to go here. I'm going to try and find a build. Like I'm sure all the, the high floors have the windows locked, but I would have found a home on the floor. I would have just went right out. hit that's the. Floor. A- that is the most,
2: okay, so I, pra- I practice law, I do cybersecurity, but practice on the side. The most asked question I get from people, call, a- agents call me up is, should I go to headquarters? And my answer is 100%, absolutely yes. You can't right. possibly understand the FBI until you have sat in headquarters for um, three
1: weeks, <laughs> four weeks before you're like, oh my God. Oh, I mean, I, I probably have cumulative three weeks worth of time in headquarters. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't like any of it, but
2: I I actually sat in an elevator in headquarters and had some people from a group called RMO, which I don't even understand, and they were actually figuring out how to um, Turk, which is apply time codes to agents who are were using the restroom, and that because what? they wanted to be able to micromanage time of agents. And a- after I walked in the elevator, listened to this, sat there, and and. Finally said, you guys have no one has any experience in the field here. They're trying to do turking for extra time to make agents more efficient from the office in in, in FBI headquarters. And once you've seen that and realize that's true, you can never really understand how bad the Bureau, why the Bureau is so bad.
1: I would have loved to turk uh, bathroom time just between you and me. And that would have been fantastic. So uh, turk is time utilization, whatever, R and K.
2: Yes. Yes. But
1: but yeah, so it's how we bill hours against cases and, and work. Uh, just for people that are kind of hearing us banter around with this kind of silliness. I, I had a brilliant idea. My my training agent, this is like, this is how much reverence I had for the FBI right away, my training agent. So, you know, my first probably, I don't know, six, eight weeks, we go get access to the Hoover building. Um, My training agent didn't speak English as a first or second language. So we struggled to communicate sometimes, but we, we kind of, he's a meathead. So we kind of got through like with grunts and stuff like that. And, uh, and Lou and I, decided that we could probably sneak in with like white painter's uh, jumpsuits, right? With a couple of different colors of really, really wild paint and just do like a a gorilla painting job of like one wall of one hallway per night for a week. And nobody would stop us. Yeah, and they would just keep walking by. They'd be like, oh, it's wet paint. And then nobody would do anything because everybody in headquarters is so like myopic on whatever their weird thing is that they're doing, trying to figure out how to build bathroom hours
2: but i mean they wanted to have a, they wanted to have an app for your phone so the so agents could build their hour or build their, their minutes and in watching headquarters was like wow that's awesome
1: so i would like that i would i would have absolutely loved that i would have sat on the bathroom toilet longer every single day i would i would make it part of my day
2: and that is why it was going to fail
1: <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> they don't know, know, what they know who they're dealing
2: with. <laughs> no, that's exactly it. They have no idea that that's what they're going to get in the field. 50 guys just doing that, just to okay. show them, and then it would turn into a, a major. And, that, and, you know, that's in the ideas, what, The is, I mean, the Bureau is crazy. You have to go to headquarters. And that's why I tell any any agent. That's fair. Spend, spend time there. WFO almost counts because you'll get enough time walking through the building to realize. Right. But, it's, uh, I, in fact, I was in headquarters a few weeks ago and um and i i to run to the new um the new store they have so i could pick up one of those bureau pins and put it on my
1: why do they call it the ra what does the ra stand for the ra is the bureau store to go buy your stuff i have this weird light that's coming in from somewhere on my beard it makes me look I don't crazy know
2: what they are. i don't actually know what it stands for it's the, it's the bureau store they
1: but have the new bureau one. store is called
2: an ra yeah, right RA, yes and and so I, but i wanted to have the bureau. Pin what does on. it mean i
1: don't know it... <laughs> no. i thought you were going to unlock some of the mysteries from here oh. No, I, I don't know. I, don't know. I just,
2: I wanted the pin. I was going in. I never had the bureau pin until actually I went there as a lawyer to actually go against the bureau.
1: Well, you're um, a suspendable um, by by definition and also sort of just as an honorary member. You came before us, but uh, the suspendables are guys that do the right thing and are willing to be suspended over it, which is the way it works now. You have to wear your FBI badge upside down. That's know, the way we do it.
2: I, I, I kind of look at it that of, of all the, there are a lot of good attorneys out there, a lot of good employment law attorneys. The difference is, I get I get called because if someone wants to know the tactical way of operating through a bureau through through a bureau problem, because right. ultimately the trick with anything in the bureau is the process is the punishment.
1: That is, yes, we've said that so many times. We're going to get deep into that. Yeah. What did you so, What did you do when you were at headquarters for the for that period of time, eighteen months?
2: The bureau. I went into internal investigations.
1: Of course, you did how did that what did you think about that
2: you know i there was it was one of the best learning experiences i could have had um because there is nothing better than having some hrt guy who gets arrested or gets uh, gets um in trouble because he has his girlfriend in the bureau car and calls me up and says hey kurt can we just push the formalities aside could give me my uh suspension over the over the christmas break (laughs) I like that. It,
1: it, so, that that sounds far too realistic for that to have not actually happened.
2: That had then that would well, but it, I I did not have a high conviction rate because um because a lot a lot of the because of how the bureau does its internal administrative misconduct investigations a lot of them are garbage.
1: And, and also, are you incentivized as an investigator there to have a adjudication against the person you're investigating? Does it matter? Do you get paid any differently, or do you get how well
2: do you think that would work for me?
1: Uh, no, I think you're probably too honest to be doing anything oh, for that. I, I
2: had, um, I had one, I had one where, uh, one of the clerical staff would, the, the bosses wanted me to fire her because she had marijuana. Um, she got caught and arrested. And, and so I'm like, and I got the call from all the bosses. She needs to go. And I'm like, okay, so wait three weeks to call the woman up and do a set up an interview. And she denies it. And then said, "Okay, so where was your car?" And she's like, "Look, well, okay. I, I drove down. I got pulled over, and it was, and the guy could smell marijuana. I have no idea what marijuana smells like." Um, she took a, she took the um, test. She had no no drugs in her system, and they still want to terminate. it. come to find out, her um, one of her children was a vet that had a marijuana card because of a serious serious injury he received overseas. So he was. So he was in combat. He had that he had PTSD, and he had the um, he had the he had the marijuana in the car, and they were going to fire her, even though she had no idea. And when you look at it, this is, this is one of those people who's like sixty five years old, sits at her desk. She's the the rotor, She's she's just not the person to do right. a lot. Unless, she,
1: unless she's got glaucoma, she's not. Uh, no, she's not- and,
2: and they, we have to fire her. It's like it doesn't make any
1: sense. You know, generally, do they hate her for other reasons, or they just wanted to? no
2: no because it made, it made it because they um they were convinced that she did it and that was it and then at the end of it come to find out that that there was a, there was a logical reason and i um you know and and, and she she probably still got punished for something right of, of course but she was gonna get terminated i mean she going not get ter- she wasn't gonna get terminated the the a lot of the a lot of the problems um that when you when people get administrative misconduct referrals a lot, you know, I think they only t- they only took at that point about one third of them, one third of the ones that were filed. But it's a management tool. It's not if you f- file a misconduct referrals an agent, it's not going anywhere unless you're in management is the only way that misconduct referrals are going to work. So anyone who thinks it's just a process where I can call up if I see misconduct, they're just fooling themselves because that's not what it's for.
1: Okay. So you said the process is the punishment and that the ability to file for internal review is all managerial tools to get rid of people that they don't like. Is that essentially what you're saying?
2: Yeah. To punish people. I mean, well, they're looking like this. If a retaliation complaint, I think they had at 1.300 retaliation complaints and they investigated a grand total of one. Retaliation Mm. complaints by their nature are only going to be against management. Sure. you're, so they, they, the bureau, the IIS and, and IA, wasn't. They were not investigating retaliation complaints. Don't investigate anything else against people, but retaliation is a management issue. So it was never. They just wouldn't do it, and, and, and that's still the case.
1: That's so troubling. All right, so I'm going to throw something at you. You tell me what you think. I found out from Steve Friend, um, who's another FBI whistleblower down in Florida, and he said that when he referred something to the OIG, <laughs> the OIG responded with a declination letter saying, we're not going to pursue this. And when his attorneys followed up on that, the attorneys found out that they respond to every single allegation and complaint with a declination, and then they choose to either investigate it or not after that. But by SOP, they decline them all so that people don't say that they didn't investigate anything or they didn't get a response. Does that make sense to you?
2: That's a good thing. Here's why. First, all, all of any OIG complaint is going to go through the bureau system. So if OIG gets a complaint, they're going to file it somehow and let the bureau know it exists. But if but if OIG is part of the Department of Justice, so their investigations could take forever and a day. If they did not send you a declination letter, then you could you could theoretically have to wait a long time to get into a group called um. The whistleblower court, which is OR—it's not court; it's ORAM. It's the Office of Attorney Recruitment and Management. In order to become to file uh, a complaint with them as a whistleblower, you have to have a declination letter, or you have to wait X amount of days, or you have to have the whole the whole OIG process done. A declination yeah. letter up front will allow you to get into ORAM quicker. This now, is why I, I
1: asked you that, yeah. Now, here's a question: Should letter- I have been should I have been nicer to ORAM? O A R M. The Office of Attorney Recruitment and Management. Should I have been well, nice? You have
2: to understand. They spend, they spend half their time at the college. with hand out tickets for uh, join the, join DOJ. That's what they do for recruitment management. And they also are the FBI's whistleblower court. I actually think. Why how, is that a thing? Well, because well, never, every 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 other place, every other agency in the country uses uses MSPD for their for the whistleblowers. Right. The FBI o- only the FBI uses ORAM. Why? Because, I think it's a cruel joke. No, I, th- I think no. It, I mean, you, these are the guys. These are the people that are sitting there doing, doing, going to law schools, handing out brochures. You want to join DOJ? And on their right. part time, they do. They they were doing, um, whistleblower complaints, I mean, and that explains why for the first two so from two thousand. The, I think the first 10 cases they had between 2000 and 2010, and this is on an OIG report, it took on average eight to 10 years to complete one case that was an FBI whistleblower case. Now, let's put that in perspective. The statute of limitations for most issues regarding RICO are only five years. So it takes them twice as long to do to, to, the statute of limitation for most substantive issues regard, within RICO. And and, it, and so I think I may not I think I'm correct when I said the only the, I'm the first person that was ever able to win in ORAM and still be an employee in the bureau because the process took a decade or more and yes and so that process so so when when I started this I never actually thought ORAM was real I just assumed that was a, it was a joke and and come to find out I I actually prevailed or am.
1: But it is a joke. It's just, it's also real.
2: Like, I can't, I can't, it's, no, I'm saying it's, for the first, for the first part of it, if, if any, any process that takes 10 years is not real justice. Right. You have to just wait for people to get out of the Bureau or force them out. If you have to wait 10 years to have an adjudication, you're done. With, in in my case, and in cases afterwards, the, um it took on average, I was taking, ah, st- 18 months, a year and a half, which would be significantly less time than it took beforehand. Now, there's a combination of factors. And I think one of the combination of factors was was the fact that before I, I took the information that people that I learned from other agents beforehand. And there were a whole bunch of agents who had lost, or there was a group called the CERG the 5 um, that was down, down in CERG. It was a bunch of whistleblowers. There were a, a number of different individuals who were by themselves. There was all, all Jane Turner, um, Fred Whitehurst, they, they were, they were part of this, but the only thing that worked between 2000 and 2010 was Jane Whitehurst and, and Fred, uh, Jane, Jane Turner and Fred Whitehurst going to the press, going, getting their, their story out there in public. Nobody won in and, and And so before me, Everyone it took on it only four cases had one. In the entire what 20 years ORM was doing whistleblowers. My case came up, and then I took what the losses were, how people lost the ORAM, and, and took notes on it and passed those notes out. And those and that's what that book is. The book is my is basically my litigation notes for how to win an ORM and how to and, and so I took that and other people took the information I got, took some advice and then they were able some people have actually won now if you look at the funny thing about EEO for the FBI and the whistleblowers was generally only one person was allowed to win per year now they or am reports to Wait, Congress, what? Wait, whoa, whoa.
1: okay EEO is the equal opportunity employment version the yes. FBI does their own complaints and then the other one the whistleblower you said only one person's allowed to win per year
2: yeah okay <laughs> what well, you go, if you go, if you look at their stats, that we, that's what you'll find out. Up until I mean, it was dead; it was a dry river until I came. My case came. Now there's a win. Then all of a sudden, about one per year wins. And because it, it, ORAM, it, it, people think of it's like an informal process, and you can't look at it. It's like going before the United States Supreme Court. It really is. You, you really have to have your ducks in a row, or you're going to lose.
1: I was not nice to them. I got to tell you, when I sent my stuff over the first time, they declined it. And then they got it a second time and they wrote back to me and they said, are you represented by counsel? And I go, yeah, dummy. Same person that you you wrote to nine months ago, about the same issue. And they go, oh, can you uh, show us cause? And I was like, do you want me to copy and paste the email that I've already sent to you? And they went, no. And I go, Here's a thousand pages the FBI came up with. They said it wasn't discrimination. It's obviously whistleblower stuff. I've never had a problem, so I sent them all my stuff, and then I said, "Hopefully, you do your job this time and read it." And they said, "Thank you so much. Uh, I think we have everything we need." <laughs> so they were actually you get, you get a result was not Nice. No, not yet. I mean, this okay. just happened, so wow. I, I don't. I don't expect it to go well. But I also had like it's like who are these clowns that we're dealing with? There's no reason to be nice to them. They're this. It's the same Peggy. I've talked to Peggy six times and peggy is like every other government employee i don't know what phil what's what's peggy's real name
0: i I don't know no
1: didn't you say there was like a like you had a name for like the the standard government employee that just doesn't do their job
0: oh yeah the acronym uh the tse typical support employee there it is they're all the same
1: well the, the, the person who did my case
2: was uh delaney and since since she actually voted in my favor I'll say okay, she did she did well. I'm she kidding. sounds
1: awesome. Yeah. I'm She's big awesome. Fan she voted,
2: okay. But 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 the but the fact is, what happens is people take that and they assume it's a it, they, the people assume that it is an informal process. And if you lose at any step, you're gone. And if you're gone, imagine in the FBI a hammer immediately drops on you, which is the retaliation that you're gonna get after you lose an ORM case.
1: Because what if you've already been retaliated against? I think you got nothing to lose. Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> that's when the jail time shows up. Is that Are what you, I'm dealing
2: you, exactly. with? Exactly. <laughs> if you're still in, you're
1: just, if you think it's bad beforehand, you you think it, it gets worse. I mean, <laughs> that's that's very uh disheartening. Thanks so much for that. All right, tell people what your whistleblower. Uh, what, what was the whistleblower complaint that you made, and then you know what was the fight? What did that look like as you fought through okay. it? Because I don't even know what you actually. I don't even know that part of you. You but and you I get sideways so fast. Percent.
2: We gotta jump back to the one percent now. Okay. If, you go, if you go to, oh, if you go to EEO, I, I told you that only one person wins per year in EEO. Yeah. Okay. Now there are tracks you can take. You can after you get your you, the FBI does an investigation, which is basically like the three blind mice or the Keystone cops doing an investigation for an EEO case. I mean, literally, what they do. It's it's the only place where the FBI is gonna say, look, it, he said one thing. She said something else. Okay, <laughs> we, we can't determine it. That's literally the if you put if you're a, a employee and you ask EEO or ask the EEO investigators to um, interview um, witnesses, they won't. The only people they're going to interview is the management. They're like, look, we don't know what to do. So, so you'll, you'll get the report, the report of investigation back, the ROI. It's a big deal.
1: I got the ROI, okay.
2: and you got two choices. You can go to you can go over to the EEOC, or you can go to the DOJ's um, process, adjudication process. Okay, what's fun about the EEOC is they just had a judge up in Boston who has, I think, ruled 800 times since 2018, and every single one of those rulings has been against the complaint. That was just in the news this weekend. 800 to zero. So you're facing, you may be facing some hurdles over in EEOC. That, but there's a lot of judges, and you may have better luck than that one judge.
1: I got Nancy. I don't know anything about Nancy, but she's in Phoenix. What do you think? I don't
2: know. I, don't know. I, I you know, I, I find I find some of the I find the um some of the judges to be very good. I find some of them you, you have problems with. It's like anything.
1: But I've, I got no, I got no. You know, say one way or another. I, I've only got her le- name on a letter, so it's all good to me. But okay, you so, could, so could you're take gonna take go in front of that. That's what I did.
2: That's one. That's option one. Option okay. two is you get an adjudication unit. Within DOJ,
1: now that if, you look, sound good. if you
2: if you look the adjudication unit for DOJ, you have every year exactly one person wins every year. Now there are three hundred cases, approximately three hundred cases per year that I've put over to DOJ, and the FBI has a win ratio. FBI agents have a win ratio of what about ninety five percent in federal court when they're when they're mm-hmm. bringing cases, but if they bring one over to DOJ under EEO get one per year
1: they got a third of a percent
2: well, yeah it's like you said okay so so but there was one year that was different and that was in 2020 or 21 because there were like four wins in a row. Now, my reason I think that is is because that that must have been a sexual assault case where you are se- sexual harassment where you had one SAC going after a whole bunch of people. So you have like ones one one year, one year, one this year, and then all of a sudden like four in 2020 they then back to one per year. So the chances of winning there are slim and none. Slim and none.
1: Yeah. So you got the one let, let me let me uh let me pivot this because I know that you and I both can like chase squirrels all day yeah. long. And it just occurred to me, you have a front row seat to some of the wildest stuff. And I don't want you to, I, I'm sure you can't talk about some specifics, but I think you can talk about other specifics about the generalization of weird sexual malfeasance in the FBI senior management, which oh you get a, a number of complaints about. Can you just, I'm, I'm just going to throw that over to you and then just whatever uh, you want to talk about on there. Cause I think there's a lot of it and whatever you feel comfortable with the,
2: most, the most disturbing trend in the FBI was the fact that they would not hold any of their executives accountable for sexual misconduct. I mean, if, if, OK, we had I had the one client who had the she was being harassed by a, by an acting assistant agent, special agent in charge. She filed a complaint and then she got an EAP counselor. And then for what employees assistance, which is what you want to do to get some assistance. And then the EAP counselor who was a supervisor sent her a dick
1: pic of a dildo. <laughs> Sorry, Will. What? What I have no hope. Wait a minute. The person she went to for peer counseling sent her uh, a sexually graphic image yes. up for himself.
2: No, 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 no. Of, of, a, of, of, a, of, a, of a rubber, of a, of a, a, a
1: candy colored rubber... Massage device, got it. Because, so, so wait a minute. Why did why did she get a picture of a dildo? <laughs> just, help, wait, well, no, it's worse.
2: Us. It's worse than that. After she reported it, they told her they they told her she it it, it was unprofessional conduct to report it because EAP EAP is confidential.
1: It's confidential, yeah. Oh. Including when the uh, including when the the peer coordinator is uh, sending you sexually graphic images. Okay.
2: He got a. He got three weeks later. He received an award for professionalism from that field office.
1: Do you want to say what field office or no? It was Las Vegas. Okay. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) How can you can you sit there? Phil's, Phil's dying over there in the background. This is this is like we have a lot of like really emotionally heavy interviews where we're talking about people that have just been like just like horrifically wronged by the bureau. As you can imagine, we've had people that have been, had their life savings taken away through civil asset forfeiture, no charges ever brought. We find out it was because, you know, uh, Jeff Bezos wanted to save a hundred million dollars and like other oh, awful things. And we've talked to people who have had the FBI kicked down their door and, you know, got raided over memes and, you know, they got put in handcuffs for in front of their kids. And now we're talking about FBI supervisors who are also peer counselors are sending dildo pictures and if you report that, you're unprofessional. This is my favorite interview right now. I'm really enjoying this. Continue. <laughs> Give me another good one. Doesn't have to be Las Vegas, although Las Vegas probably's got some spicy ones.
2: Well, you get to the, the harass. I mean, there, there was there was one there was one in Newark where I think four females reported one ASAC, one act who was acting ASAC for um sexual problems. Um the internal affairs came in and found them all unsubstantiated, all four of them. Now, finding four, finding four women, all those claims unsubstantiated against one, one ASAC. You like outrageous, but after I heard that, I actually sent the picture, a photograph of that ASAC standing outside one of the women's houses, and his bureau car in the background, and, which is against because he She lived in a different state.
1: That's that's but, not de minimus.
2: The 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 problem, the problem is that when you go, she filed a complaint with the police and the police know that when you have that, when you have some type of harassment, you could somebody can lose a gun. Law enforcement can lose a gun for having a restraining order. So they they tried to, 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 to shut down that investigation. If you if you complain to the bureau, remember, any woman any woman who files a complaint, sexual harassment isn't a victim. Now, and this has just changed. This has changed a lot because of me. They're never considered a victim because if they were considered a victim, you'd have to, prov- the Bureau would have had to provide them with victim support.
1: Yeah, the- we have victim advocates inside the FBI.
2: Yeah, they, they, they're all, they were uh, until, until the first one I've seen was a case I was doing where I was like, she's a victim, and finally the Bureau allowed a victim services person to um, be with her, but they also told the other victim services people you can't tell that to anyone out loud. We're not really supposed to be doing this. <laughs> no And then yeah, I, I hear that from. I heard that from actually somebody else. Well, I told someone look for victim services, and then the, then the victim services person said, "Hey, we're not supposed to tell you that we shouldn't be doing that because it's you know it's, you're technically we want to keep you as a complainant because then you'll get services.
1: Complainants don't get services. Victims do. Let me ask you this: the um the reason why you could lose a weapon. If you are credibly accused of some sort of either domestic abuse or uh, sexual harassment, uh, like stalking type stuff, is under the Lautenberg law. Is that correct? Or the Lautenberg rulings? That's what we have. That paper.
2: Oh, 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 wait, go 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 to um uh, was Indianapolis where they had one agent who was um who was arrested for choking his wife, but because he was well liked by his SAC,
1: they let him keep or they, they let him keep his gun. He was what? <laughs> he was well liked. Is that a, is that a, how do you adjudicate well liked?
2: He was, he was pinched for choking his significant other, and then inside that field office there was a victim, and they were going they're targeting the victim of, of another domestic violence, but letting the accuser in a in, in, accuser, a guy arrested, keep his gun during the pendency of the criminal charge.
1: Did he get convicted?
2: No, no, because you already know it's going to be it's, it's already a setup right there. You know, the fact if I'm a proce- if I'm a legit prosecutor, I'm asking to have the gun taken away because he's strangling people,
1: not we should right.
2: go out and be a SWAT operator.
1: I mean, what? Of course, it was a SWAT operator. Thank you for sharing that part, too. <laughs> um, <laughs> so so the processes is uh, not are just they're not just part of the punishment if you make an accusation or a credible accusation or you make a complaint but they are also um as part of the protection it sounds like too for the people that are well liked if possible it being being liked i mean the,
2: if i knew if i the thing if i knew now because most people in the bureau are not whistleblowers um intentionally Because like private and private corporations, you can be a whistleblower and make money. Now, there is no money to be made in whistleblowers in the FBI. Most whistleblowers are accidental whistleblowers because in the FBI, everyone is a mandatory reporter. So they think they foolishly think they're doing the right thing by reporting the misconduct of others. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> when they do that the hammer drops
1: on them because somebody somebody somewhere told me we were supposed to do the right thing for the right reason that may have been chris ray i i don't know but i think that's the thing he loves to say the right thing the right way for the right reason oh. but that's not the thing to do if you want to keep your job at the fbi would you every, agree
2: every everyone every one of my clients and i have no i have no one i have no client that says hey i want to be a whistleblower to make money or i want to go to EEO." every i take clients not For EEO cases, they're trying to make money, who are trying to salvage whatever career they have because they have 15 or 18 years in and they're getting terminated after they make a single complaint. And then they find out, hey, by the way, you're not supposed to make complaints. That's just the fact of life. If I knew that early on, it would have made my life a whole lot easier.
1: Would you have not made any complaints or would you have just been more aggressive?
2: No, why would you want to make complaints? They're just coming after you. (laughs) What are you doing no, I mean, be, no. The, what I would do is I become a manager. Then you can target whoever the hell you want. And Got it. <laughs> play the yeah. stick. With the this trick, is- if you don't want to do it, become a manager. If you go, if you go up the ranks, you move five times. You're an assistant director at the end, and then you can do whatever the hell you want. Yes. There's no, there, there, there's no one, un- there's no one, there's no accountability beyond ASAC. There, there's no accountability. I mean, look in the Navy. The Navy just released, just removed. I believe it was the commander of the air wing in Guam or one of the, one of the air. I mean, the air force will remove people on a regular basis. The Navy makes a very public when they remove a commander of a fleet, they literally will put that in the news. Hey, we just removed the seventh fleet commander, whatever. You don't see that in the Bureau. No, never, never that because,
1: no, they let you retire, and then they come arrest you for being Charles McGonagall, right? Isn't that the way it works?
2: No, 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 no. He, he, he it. That's the exception. I mean, the only the only one I thought was funny was the one who got arrested. I think he worked for um, he worked at Quantico, and then this, this man was a true believer. He worked at Quantico, but evidently he spent his time growing growing wine um, grapes for a wine um, outside his house, and then he got pinched. For um for the fire. time card fraud, yeah, but he was like he literally had a whole winery going.
1: Who who was that? Because I've heard this story, and I don't think it was from you. I know this story. So the story was is that he was taking sick leave, but he had to go and handle wine business, and so they ended up getting him for like false statements, and then also for time card fraud because he was out there handling his vineyard when he was supposed to be sick, and that's not an appropriate approved way to use leave. And he even had other leave. He was just because-
2: wait, wait, wait. First of all. Well, if, if you have a you have to report the jobs that you have. Right. Said, um, FBI, I would like to be, start selling alcohol on the side.
1: <laughs> when you say it that way, it sounds way more insidious. If you just said I wanted to have a vineyard, that makes you sound like you're kind of a person who is involved in agriculture. Vin people who have vineyards are, are agrarian. But uh, people who are just selling alcohol on the side, like that's that's like my grandfather who went to uh, Leavenworth for being a bootlegger. Get charged. He now, did. I mean, yeah.
2: Okay, our true agent's gonna say, "Look, it. I want to. I have to disclose something. My wife has the vineyard. <laughs> right. That's what the is gonna do. My wife has the vineyard. I'll have
1: clearly. I'll have yes. It,
2: clearly. Now, the other thing, what I thought was funny about that was. Why take the time off? Because if you ever go to Quantico, you know at three o'clock there's not there's not an instructor there was not an instructor anywhere to be found after three. Ghost <laughs> town for sure. Yep. <laughs> so you could, so they could. He had from three to whenever at night to go do his his help his wife out with the winery, and um, <laughs> but she he, should
1: have put his wife in charge of obviously, but obviously. I feel like the uh, the person who did this was not an agent. Is that possible? Like he was like a high level support person. I feel it like that's what I heard.
2: It just. It just I mean, it it doesn't have the the fingerprints of how an agent would do business. I mean, uh, unless, uh, yeah. So, yeah.
1: so it, describe for people because I think a lot of people would find this fascinating. You spend enough time around them, you've also gotten a lot of complaints about one some of the malfeasance of FBI agents that have gotten into management, but also the people that have been wronged. Give people a couple of different profiles of FBI agents that exist in the Bureau. Like maybe like alpha through echo kind of deal, like maybe a, like a five different types of agents. There's some commonalities obviously, but you mean the shopper, the weightlifter. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you got. Like there's like, I know, you know that you categorize people that when you meet them, you're like, Oh, you're that kind of agent. You,
2: Well, yeah. I mean, what they would normally say, you have the shoppers, you have the weightlifters, and then you have the criminal investigators. So you got the shoppers and weightlifters are are counterterrorism and the counterintelligence. That's from the New York office. That being said,
1: New York, you can't Which one is which? Wait a minute. Which one is which? You can't just throw that out there. (laughs) Uh, You have to look at them. You you really can know. Oh, either. Okay. So anybody working in um, national security could either be a shopper or a weightlifter, and you just decide when you look at their frame.
2: What you want to do? Yeah, yeah. So, okay, he's out there shopping, weightlifting. I mean, one, one time I went down to, into the New York office, and I was going to do something. I was a national security guy, and he had like 25 years on completely spent. And he, he's like, his boss said, hey, Kurt, would you go with him? And he was very hesitant to go in the Butte car, and he takes me down and goes, Kurt, I, I got to apologize. I'm like, why? He goes, because I got to clean out my car. I'm like, why is that? He goes, because I got newspapers in my front seat. So I walk over and look at, and he's got newspaper, literally rolled newspapers in his front seat. This is about fifteen years ago. I'm like, they got newspapers in his back seat. I'm like, what the? He hell does
1: not have a paper route.
2: <laughs> he had a paper route. <laughs> he would go home. He'd work the evenings. He'd go home and do the papers. And he was rolling. He's throwing,
1: he's throwing the New York Post out the window of the Buick <laughs> It
2: it only it only makes money if you're not paying for the gas.
1: That's right. <laughs> Yes, this is, and that's probably uh, one of those convictable offenses. Phil was
2: he was not long for the he was not long for the world. There was no there was no particular reason. He he would he was months away from retiring, and um, and you're like, but in New York it, he had he got the he got divorced, and in New York you would find people agents that are in New York who are living in the office that are have suffering a divorce. What. Yes. In the York field office, they have they have a nurse's office where you would have people that are getting divorced. They would either sleep in their cars in the um, basement or they would go to the nurse's office and sleep there at night because they got thrown out. But in New York, you're spending 100 miles each way for travel, 200 miles a day going back and forth. You're going to you're going to lose your mind. I mean, because you can't as a new agent, you can't afford to get a a house in anywhere reasonable. So you're traveling a lot of miles. In, in the crazy.
1: There, there are people living through their divorces in the field office. Correct. How many, how many times have you seen this? Is this like you oh, saw no. it a couple of times, uh, but like it was uh, regular. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do that in San Francisco because you know what they did to Elon Musk about that. They, they shut down that lady who was sleeping in the office. You can't use it as a dormitory.
2: Yeah. Well you in the, in the bureau, in the bureau, you can't, I mean, <laughs>
1: it's federal property.
2: It, it, it's a long trip home. It's, I mean, and you have, a, yeah, you have a lot of guys who, <laughs> they have good guys and girls and they were, you know, someone got divorced and that's, that's what they do. New York is, New York is its own field office. I mean, it's its own world of how you survive because people in New York are purely, I mean, you have great agents who are trying to do whatever they're doing and then ha- they have to suffer a commute that is good, that could be, I mean, I've had my commute 14 hours long going home from traffic.
1: It took hours. you 14 hours to leave the field office and get to your home.
2: Yes. Because of traffic on 95. It was it was the summer. It was busy. There was a shutdown. They locked the road down. And that was it. I One time, I actually ran out of fuel because of snow. It started snowing. And by the time my car was off, that I mean, New York is a crazy field office. And that's why you have a lot of problems in New York. Because, because people have to suffer some very unusual things to be an agent in New York. And the pay is not, I mean, you're making, what, 150 Twenty to one hundred seventy thousand. What does it cost to have an apartment in New York? Anyone who has an apartment in New York is working for a Russian oligarch, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) That two hundred
1: eighty-five thousand dollars doesn't go that far. It just pays your rent for like a couple years. (laughs) What the hell? I mean, so and he had a girlfriend on the side too, so that had to be pretty pricey. Actually, she was in. uh, She was on my Twitter feed today talking about how she's got stories she hasn't even told the media yet. And I thought about maybe having her as a guest because she'd probably be a hoot as well. How
2: how crazy is it that you have, I mean, the most important national security position in the FBI, bar none. The, I mean,
1: the, that's- Washington that's, Field would want to arm wrestle you over that.
2: Oh, no, 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 It's not even close.
1: I yeah. probably agree with you because I think there's mostly pretending going on there, but I'm just saying they would well, want to arm wrestle you.
2: Well, be, well, well yeah, be, but you have to look at what it is. I mean, Washington Field Office, you have a whole bunch of embassies that are targeting the U.S. government, right? Yeah, I mean, you have you have foreigners targeting, but that's not what you have in New York. What you have in New York is you have a bunch of a bunch of governments, hostile or otherwise, that are there targeting each other in the United Nations. So the FBI is purely the referees of that. Interesting. So, and 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 you can get lost in in Washington. It's harder to get lost as a diplomat. You can get lost very easily. And and so you have it. So there's a lot more going on because things that don't necessarily involve the U.S. Maybe just the U.N. maybe, you know, being run around in um, in New York. And you don't have that's not from the FBI. That's from anyone. Go to a bar. I mean, you could go to a bar in New York and you could sit down and find a diplomat. I mean, it, it's cra- It's crazy. There's uh, just so many people out there that are doing stuff. And New- Washington. Washington has its fair share of great agents and great um, counter counterintelligence, but the other thing is there's only so many, right? There's only so many real spies out there. I mean, now it's you can do everything electronically. So they sit down in in China and and everything's done electronically.
1: Yeah, my spies are all overseas.
2: That's where all China. I mean, why would you want to bring if you're if you're China? Why would you want to bring them here? Just go online. You can get everything That's right.
0: you
2: want, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, it, it, it we're a problem. Um, here it's um here there you it's 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 hard to, it's hard to it's it, it, it if if it, if it's not New York where everything's just loose and you know it's it's you can hide it, it's hard to do stuff because you're really you'd be under scrutiny.
1: New York's crazy. Yeah, no, I agree. New York is crazy. So my, I think I told you this, but my wife uh, was born in Manhattan, grew up in Brooklyn. I, I spend more time in New York than I ever would have imagined. If you, if I'd never met this girl and got married, I would have never spent the amount of time that I have in New York. So I have an appreciation for it in a different way, just from that. Um, how in the world did this guy with his two hundred eighty-five thousand dollars that only bought him an apartment for a couple of days with his girlfriend? How did he get away with being the top? You're saying the top counterintelligence guy in the country for the FBI, and I don't think you're probably wrong. How in the world did he end up compromised in there? Is it just a money thing, you think, or is it?
2: Well, I mean, what was it, what, um? You had Hanson from New yeah. York. You had New um, York too. I thought he was yeah. at WFO. No, yeah, well, he was. Well, he was in New York. I, in fact, I knew. I knew people that actually drove with him because they used to have to share view cars to come in and he drove with them. And when they, people asked, Hey, what, what, what you know about him? No one knew anything about him. They called him the undertaker. He was, everyone looked at him and said, if you're most likely to be a spy, they would point at that guy and say, he's a weirdo. He, you should try. This that. is
1: Robert Hanson, the actual spy.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I, but, but if, if, if you have a culture where you can't report misconduct, you're going to have that and nobody's going to say anything.
1: Oh man, oh, yes. man, you brought it back. You just brought it all back there. Okay, so yes. Hanson the Undertaker, weirdo.
2: Now you have the other guy. Um, you have another one who was, it begins with F. Um, oh shoot. Um, there was another spy in New York that went down to uh, did a false flag in what in, in Quantico, and he did it because of money because it was not enough pay.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and then you got this guy who did it for power
1: i don't know i mean he's got to be the highest at least the highest ranked fbi the highest pay grade fbi agent to ever go sideways right that's got to be the case that we know of that we know of of course sorry i should have been more accurate <laughs> that's so ominous um uh, well, well who's the reporter that's it because management doesn't get any scrutiny right that's
2: right that's that, I mean, I mean, if again, if you looked at the, the Hanson, I thought the Hanson was interesting because the people I knew who knew Hanson and they and they drove with them, they spent, you know, they, they drove their car with them. would have talked to them. They would have all they, they were like, look at it. The guy was the guy was a problem. The, the guy was clearly a problem. If, if you have a culture where you where you can't report misconduct or you can't send in um, any type of something without facing retaliation, nobody's going to ever report an SAC or an ASAC or, or assistant director, no way.
1: So what do you the, think about, yeah. What about some of the reports that we've made about some of the people putting the higher in the higher structure of the, uh, of the Bureau and we being you, me and, 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 and the folks that I've been bringing together, what do you think about all that?
2: You know, I, I, I can, I, I've actually seen, and I know this is scary for you. I've actually seen some positive, um, responses to that within the Bureau. From him. So, I I would I, I'd have to say I would think I mean Paul Abate who is the deputy director has been a, been who has been kind of a pin cushion for me, um for for different things he has, um, in in fairness to him, they had on sexual harassment he has taken steps that were per- he personally took steps to go to a field office and inspect the field office where there were problems so hmm. in the so. It's.
1: Did his girlfriend work out of that field office or,
2: you know, you have to go there, right? No. (laughs) He was just just at that field office. This is my show. i say whatever I feel like it. Yeah. I think he he was just at that field office recently. Okay. But
1: but, Phil's dying over there now. Yeah. (laughs) If if you got a
2: free ride, you got G five on your, on call. That's what I'm saying. If they're going to fly
1: you, you might as well go see the side piece, right?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's it's all bureau it's all government it's, it's on the government dime, right it's, yeah it's- we don't
1: even worry about fraud waste and abuse we're at like two million dollars on ray with the with the jet so like i mean what's one flight to detroit who cares about yeah, that who cares who cares but, not me but, i mean i won't but, even re- i won't even report him for that no i but but i, I
2: but having to ha- seeing the women seeing having having women call me up who are employees and be in tears because of what has happened, and then have some positive response. Yeah, that's big. That's yeah, big. I mean, I had, I have, I have one, uh, uh, at least one, where some the person was s- s- physically assaulted inside Hoover. Physically assaulted, and 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 that you know, and that's that. What happens then is basically a boss will come up to you and say, "Hey, um, if you don't file the EEO, we'll give you your, your um, OP. We'll give you a transfer, set wherever you want." If you file the, if you file the EO, you're going we're gonna fight. you.
1: Tell people what that means, by the way, because those are acronyms may be confusing. So but like, it, did that it, really happen? I, I'm just yeah. Did that actually happen? Yeah. Of course yeah. it did.
2: <laughs> if there's no accountability, again,
1: I, I... sorry, I just had to take a deep breath on that one. That's just like
2: <laughs> again, my opinion is that any any type of sexual yeah, but any sexual harassment should be reported. Should be, it should be required to be reported to local police. That's simple. If there's a sexual, if someone if someone in the FBI handles a sexual gets a sexual complaint in management and they can't do it and they, they're not doing it, they have a duty, they should have a duty, an obligation, to to a mandatory reporter to report it to local law enforcement. They should that should be part of the requirement. Rather than telling Great. someone, hey, if you don't file your EEO complaint, your equal employment opportunity complaint or do anything, let it go. We'll give you a transfer to an office.
1: Of your choice. Of your choice. Yeah. A paid government move. Yes. And you that, like, a, government bad, move right? is, a paid government move is worth a lot of money.
2: Oh, 80,000 bucks, right?
1: Easy, right? So 80, we're talking about they're going to pay you temporary quarters. They're going to give you a $10,000 settlement. They're going to buy your house, whatever your, your living quarters are. They'll pay you a, or you can, did you know that? I don't know if they had this deal when you did it. When we sold our house in Virginia, the deal was this. They come in, the government makes an offer and they say, we're going to buy your house for $400,000. And you go, I think I can get more for it. So you take that offer, you put it in your back pocket and then you list it for 425. And then you sell the house for 450 and so you made 50 grand. Yeah. Over what the government offered. The government who has already agreed to sell your house if you didn't sell it by chance then gives you $10,000 so they don't have to sell your house. So not only did you make the 50 more than what they offered you, which was that's just you yeah. being a good marketer. They give you a $10,000 incentive for being a good marketer. And that all gets paid in. Obviously you pay taxes on all this stuff, but that's part of the government move. They pay for the, you know, the, 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 pack up, they pay for the, the moving company to come in, they'll unpack your stuff and so on. They pay your closing costs on leaving and your closing costs on the, uh, where you land. Okay. So, so this is a big bribe. I mean, it's a big bribe to pay somebody to come out of, especially if you're in DC or you're in one of these places like the Hoover building and you go, I want to get out of Northern Virginia, Maryland. I'd love to live in Florida. Let's say since you have a Florida thing. Uh, and they pay your whole way down there, including the closing costs on the front and the back end. Well, I would, consider,
2: I would consider a fact of life. Take option A: you can do your EEO complaint, and go nowhere, and suffer for five or six years, or you can do option
1: right. B and go to some other field office and go get tanned and just uh, tanned. let this person uh, abuse the next person.
2: I mean, I'm, I would send the guy a thank you note or the woman a thank you note whoever made the offer because what what, uh, what other option do you have? You think you think worth making a complaint against an executive is gonna is gonna work out well? That's just a good deal.
1: That's so broken, but the,
2: but, but that's the truth. If it, it's if true, I know that's worked. why we're saying it. Yeah, if it, if if the if the pro, if the process worked at all, then that would be a bribe. But I'm in, in the bureau. That's a that's a good deal.
1: Yeah, how broken is that?
2: I mean that's that's how I I mean I, I'm looking at it as an attorney with clients. Yes, the money and run. Well, but what about ju- like justice? Go join HSI if you want. If you, have, um, if you want to have, if you want to have, you survive in your career, <laughs> then you have options here, and here you got only a few options.
1: So, <laughs> Why did you say join HSI? Why does HSI get justice?
2: <laughs> well, I haven't heard anybody tell me that story. in The bureau, okay, I get, I got abused in an um, elevator, and then offered a, a transfer. I'm going to tell them to take the tram. Be, I, I, I have this conversation with people a lot, and I, you, you know, we've talked about this a great deal, and the fact is that. 85, 90 percent or more of the employees in the FBI are phenomenal. The the FBI really does. Their hiring system is broken, but they really have some good people involved. I mean, that's a sad part of it, that they have some great people. The difference between being a whistleblower and not is a matter of being ignorant. People who think that they can make a report of misconduct. They're ignorant and they get punished, but they're they're still yeah exactly fool. <laughs> but they're still good employees. But here's the deal: if you're not working, you don't do stuff like that. That's it's the, the hardworking agents are the ones who actually believe in the system, so they are they are they are doing that because that's what they were told. If you but but I look at it from I, I, with employees, I have to look at it and think: how are you going to survive? and from talking to you i have told more i've told 3 employees in the last 3 weeks go go get a job in one of the oig's you you can't survive in in the environment now because you're going to be subject
1: to retaliation you've got only a you can't weeks. do that either the the bureau will badmouth you on the way over there cuz i tried that one <laughs> oh i well yes <laughs> but you're different i um, am different you're right
2: go go go, fi- go because it's it's a cho- it's choosing about what type of life you want if mm-hmm. having that three, uh, that, that FBI three letters is that important and it's worth fighting for the next 15 years, well, guess what? You're going to, the, uh, the retaliation doesn't stop.
1: Right. Phil's over there shaking his head saying, no, it is not yeah. worth it.
2: Yeah. So you, so you, that, I mean, if, if, I, if someone's going to ask me the greatest mistake I made in the FBI, it was not fighting. It was the fact when I became eligible to retire, I stayed longer than I should have. And I actually had a federal judge tell me, you're a fool. You should go. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't listening, and I decided to make the point and stay for a few years just to just make it understood that hey, look, I was You want to mess with me? I'm going to mess with you. And I also had the advantage of helping people out while I was there. But the, what I tell people now is you have to look at it. People people have focused on being in the bureau. There is no there is no indication anywhere that the bureau is going to stop. the um, the reprisals like they're doing. There's no indication of that. So you can either survive, you can either fight, continue to fight and then suffer the consequences or you can go find a job where you can be happy.
1: So there's two things in there that I wanna dig into. Number one, uh, FBI agents at 50 years and 20 years of service can retire. And a lot of them used to go the whole distance until they kicked them out the door, kicking and screaming their fingernails on the, you know, on the desk, dragging them out. Cause that's what they wanted to do with their life. That is not happening anymore. People are leaving. They're dropping papers the minute they're eligible. Um, is that, is that's a pretty new phenomenon. That's what I witnessed. Yeah, yes.
2: Yeah. Well, it's, you know, I tell people, well, <laughs> one one person came to me and said, you know, they said this, this, this is about me. I'm like, why don't you take an early retirement? And he's like, what? I'm like. You get If you take an early retirement, if you go do the math, the early retirement works out better for you. And the agent's like, I didn't even know we had that. I'm like, what am I going to use? I'm like, well, they just said you're crazy. They're basically accusing you of being crazy and being this and that. Go take the early retirement. Because if all the things they're saying about you are, are, are true, then you in, 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 in every other age and almost every other job in the FBI or in the federal government, you have to be ineligible to work in any position. In the FBI, as an agent, you only have to be ineligible on in the position as an agent. Rules are different. I'm not the expert at. See, you should go for one. You, I'm not. The, I'm not the, um, the expert at the at the um, retirement. But that's it. it takes a little. That look. If they said you're this, 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 and you can't work, well, believe them, because if the bureau says you're crazy, they probably made you crazy, and then take your disability retirement. You get to work at another job and earn eighty percent of what you're making before, and collect your money and live happily ever after. And if you want a pretend Whoa. badge, and you hire me. I will send you a pretend bad FBI badge at the end of it, and so you have a badge. But and why, <laughs> why be in, why be in an organization that doesn't want you?
1: Think about the the tremendous um, brain drain that comes from that, because all of that institutional knowledge for the people that are really in the the most. The, probably not all of them, but the people that have the potential of being the, the highest tier of capable investigators, 15 to 25 years, they're all cashing out early and they're not retraining people. I, I got almost no experience until I went to to SOG with anybody that knew what the hell has been going on and had any kind of institutional background. And I think it's because we're losing those guys. They're just getting the hell out. They don't want to stick around.
2: There, people are People are leaving the... They're hiring right now. They're, the, I think Ray said we're getting more hiring, but they're all hiring from with, within, and they're cycling applications two or three times now, taking people they rejected to get get the numbers up. That's that's a fact of life. I've heard that from multiple sources that they're can not. You, can
1: you elaborate a little bit more on that one?
2: Meaning that they they're taking people inside the bureau who are um, who are IAs or SOSs who are trying to become and who have been rejected and now allowing them to be in the, to be to be agents that's happened more and more where they they're 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 cycling through rejected applications that's how they're filling their roles
1: that's wild so they've already got the ts clearance so that's really easy and so they're just basically waving fitness requirements or personality issues or work ethic or whatever else it is that was not meeting the previous standard and they're letting them now go down to quantico is that not the weirdest thing by the way when they when they recycle people that have had a job that is a, like a literally a career path but they all just want to like get to the agent level. Like I would have never considered going into the FBI as anything else. I, I don't know why, it's but it's a it was... system. Yeah.
2: It's a cast system. I mean, you know, we're, we're, but but here's, here's the best, the the secret, the secret in the FBI right now is, although it used to be now you, any, any fool will want to join and be an agent, but they have to be out at 57. If I am, if I'm going to go in the FBI, what I'm doing is I'm going into headquarters as a map Forget about the fifty-seven. I'll stay forever, and I'm going to do whatever I can to work my way up to be an assistant director. And I could be in the bureau haunting it until my corpse is dragged out of there. Those are the most. Those will be the most powerful positions in the bureau. You have, yeah. I mean, but look at security division. That's what you have. I mean, security division has lost its mind. They are now for, They will. The security division will will basically is basically the alternative for a failed in, internal investigation. If they don't think they can get you on an internal investigation, they're just going to revoke your clearance because there is a there's a, a Supreme Court case um, U.S. Navy versus Egan that gives the federal government, um, or the executive branch, wide discretion on doing um, doing backgrounds. Up, oh, we can't we can't question the background investigations, or security clearance investigations because it's their job. So they can't get you on firing you for doing something wrong. So they're just going to yank your clearance, and then when then what happens is. They apply stress to you at that point. You're under. You're, you you don't get yanked. You get a security clearance investigation. You're going to end up with a polygraph. You may or may not know what you did wrong. You'll have accusations. You're gonna. The pressure is going to do is going to be build, and then you're going to make a mistake. Whether it's a performance mistake, which will end you up on a performance improvement plan, or will be something else that you do wrong, and then you'll be out on that. And then they'll drop your client. They'll they'll, ham, they'll remove you on the clearance. Then they'll have a performance issue to hit you on, and maybe an internal investigation.
1: How much of this have you seen? I mean, how many examples of this? I know that's my that's almost exactly my story. So there's nothing wild about that to me. Um, <laughs> Year one. <laughs> that's, this, um, this is their, I'm not giving you an example. This is their pattern. And, okay, the pattern. Um, pattern is behavior. The pattern. Single digits. Double digits. Uh, how is, many this years? Is, this is how they're doing business.
2: This is how the, this is this is how the bureau does business. In, mm-hmm. in, in in that I mean I have I have people call me up and, and and talk to me about how that's going on and trying to get around the security clearance issues, trying to navigate particular parts of questions. But you um the security clearance it, it, it was before you do an internal investigation, you did misconduct, you get your internal investigation, you would get um you get your punishment, slap on the wrist or whatever it is, security clearance would send you a letter saying You know, you do this again, you could be a threat, and that was it. But now you the security, security has taken the lead on finding what insider threats are. And and I and if you look at if if you look at the people, yeah. Me. Yeah, they could. I mean, if they if remember, they removed you, but not the guy from New York who who was working for the (laughs) oligarch.
1: Right. The guy working for the oligarch was good. I was named an insider threat, and they moved me onto a national security squad because of it. How do you feel about that? Oh,
2: yes, that's exactly it. <laughs> <laughs> because, well, be, well, first of all, so how, how long did you spend on? We were a criminal, right?
1: Yeah, I was working on criminal.
2: How how well were you able to function in a national security um, as a, a national security role? It's completely different.
1: Well, I, I had been read out of my SCI, so I didn't even have access to the SCIF. So I don't even know. I didn't get any cases. They yeah. assigned me zero cases for six weeks, and then they kicked me out of the office. So I thought that was funny. But they also referred me to the office of the insider threat, which is also really funny. So not only was I an insider threat, but I was an insider threat who got moved to to, to do national security, which was a punishment. They knew it was a punishment because I didn't yeah. know what the heck I was doing I over there. Do
2: <laughs> well, but, 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 but if generally, if you're under that kind of scrutiny, the pressure for an agent who's subjected to that. Yeah. I mean, i you, you you listen to the stories where where an agent will have to go home, he'll go to work, he'll have to go home and tell his wife that he just lost his job. He will not knowing, he'll go to an office and they will they will meet him at the door, they'll read him out and they'll take his creds and, and go on. And he can't even explain to his wife or his or, or husband what happened because they don't know. You're done. That that's happened more and more, especially, I mean, the, the, the vaccine issue, the vaccine issue seems to have been a, um, a watershed moment for the Bureau determining um, what an insider threat looks like.
1: All right. If so you, we're, Yeah, we're not on YouTube, so we're not going to get demonetized from that. Let's talk about the vaccine issue and let's what you've seen from your practice and what people brought to your attention, because you were out by the time this all got done.
0: Thanks for checking out part one of Kyle's interview with retired FBI agent Kurt Suzadek. We'll be back on Wednesday with part two. In the meantime, don't forget to go over to Patriot coolers and use coupon code Kyle for a 10% discount. And don't forget free shipping on orders over $50 while you're at it. Be sure to leave a five-star review for the Kyle Seraphin show like this one from Ryan Mata 87, who writes my new favorite podcast. There are not many people that I've ever met that understand more about the FBI corruption than Kyle Seraphin. I have a feeling Kyle is going to blow up and become a household name within the next few years. Thanks Ryan Mata 87 for that five-star review. If you'd like to hear your five-star review read here on the Kyle Seraphin show, be sure to leave one and maybe yours will be next. All right. See you all Wednesday. Thanks for listening to The Kyle Seraphin Show. Be sure to follow him on Twitter and Truth at Kyle Seraphim.